Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Rest. Does that excite you? Well, in this week's sermon, I talk about three different types of rest. Covenant rest, creation rest, and Calvary rest. And all the truth of those are based solely and fully on the Word of God. Would you give a listen today? And let's get some rest. God bless you guys. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. You know, we sing that song, The Goodness of God. And some of you, I will be willing to bet, your thought was, is that really true? Some of you, I have to will, there are hurting people in this world. They're hurting people in this sanctuary today. But I want to tell you this, that God is still on the throne, and He's still good. And there, there are things that He has for you that He wants to give to you. He wants to share with you, but so often we are like the Israelites, and we're, we live in disobedience and unbelief, and then blame God for our troubles. God said, I have something for you. And He wants to give it to you and share it with you. So we're going to talk about the day. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I'm not going to finish this sermon today. I'm going to finish it tonight. So I want to encourage you, man, to give up some time for the Lord to hear the end of the story. Let's stand at the reading of God's Word. By the way, and some, I, I love you guys, and I love how you guys are getting more in the Word. Kent made a statement this week that apparently blew some of your minds that the people in heaven can see us here on earth, and that bothers you. I, w- I want to make a statement. Instead of being worried about whether grandma and grandpa or mom and daddy can see you, you better remember Jesus sees you. He's the one to worry about. It's not mom or daddy or grandma and grandpa. It's Jesus. So whether they can or not, He can. And that's where your faith and your worry needs to be. And the fear that ought to lead you to live better and closer to Him. Hebrews chapter 4. This is coming off of chapter 3 we finished a few weeks ago. And he's talking about this idea of rest. Now I want to make something clear as I'm reading this. I want you to understand this. So, many, so often we have, we have interpreted crossing the Jordan, going into Canaan as being entering heaven. I hope not. They had battles in Canaan. We don't have battles in heaven. Canaan is not a picture of of heaven for the believer. It's a picture of the inheritance that God has for us. So we'll say, man, I'm going to cross the Jordan and go into heaven. No, 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 no. When you cross the Jordan, they had battles to fight. It's a picture of the inheritance that we have out in heaven. So he's talking about this idea of rest. And then he jumps into verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. 
For we who have believed entered that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work that God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of, there it is, disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of of him to whom we must give an account. Father, Lord, we need rest. We need rest in you. We need rest for our souls that we would not carry the burdens of this world. Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. You know, as Brooke was giving her testimony there a minute ago, here was my thought. When she was going through all that, what she needed was rest for her soul. She needed rest from the outside pressures of the world. The pressures that she put on herself. Now, I love and I wish I could really read Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all that, and I'm just a redneck and can't. Because we read this passage, and you heard how many times I use the word rest. But in this passage, (coughs) where we have our word rest, Greek has three different words for rest. Now, that's going to be my three points, but I'm going to take time getting into it because I want to talk to you about it. The first word rest there that we're going to find when we get in in point one is covenant rest. That's my word. It literally means to abide or, excuse me, an abode. It means reposing down. You ever heard a statement, they are laying in repose? It means a death. And so what that covenant rest means, it means that you die to yourself and you live for God. You live for someone else. You don't live for yourself. That's the rest he's talking about there in verse 1 when he's talking about while the promise of entering his rest still stands. But there's a second rest. We're going to talk about that creation rest. It means to cease, to um, give rest. It means to colonize. And we see it in Genesis 2, and I'll get to that tonight, when the Bible says he created everything in six days and he saw that it was very good and that he took rest. We're going to talk about what that means. But then there's the ultimate rest, and literally that last rest there, it means a sabbatism. And that is actually a word, and that really just means heaven. There's coming a day, and this is on the heels of Kent speaking about heaven. That word there means heaven. So if we put all these together, all these definitions of rest, here's what I figured out. It means a ceasing from work or any kind of action. And if you want to make it spiritual, God's rest says this, there's no more self-effort for our own personal salvation. It all relies on Him. 
See, you can't give enough to get into heaven. You, you can't do enough good works to ever get into heaven. You, you can't attend church enough. And I'm so afraid that we as, as people of God that we claim to be, as church members we claim to be, that we put more on our church membership than we do the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like we confuse the two. Now don't get me wrong, I want you at church and I think you ought to be at church. I'm praying that we pack this place. That more people would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I promise you, your name being on Marion's role doesn't get your name on the ultimate role when the role is called up yonder. I'll be there. So what does that really speak to us about? I believe if we look at these in toto, in totality, we see God's rest that deals with inward works. I believe this, we see a ceasing from the striving that some of us do inwardly when we struggle with life, when we struggle with things about the day. We, we worry about things. I, I've never ceased to amaze how so many strong believers in God and Him that He'll take care of our eternity, we struggle with Him in the daily. Oh yes, God, I know you got me eternally. You're going to help me eternity and all of eternity. But God, on the daily regular, I need to handle it myself. Are you crazy? You cannot. We worry about this. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? You know, most of the stuff, I think statistics have proven, 80 to 90% of everything we worry about never comes to fruition. So then who's at the bottom of it? As Brooke said, the enemy. He wants to get your mind so focused on something other than the good news. That's what he did here with this group. Did you catch it? It says, listen, lest this fear you should seem to have failed to reach it, for good news came to us just as to them. I'm going to deal with that in point one. Flip over in your Bibles to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Greatest sermon ever preached because it was preached by Jesus. <clears throat> we know it as a sermon on the mount. Listen to this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. That literally means to take no thought about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body or what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? That's what He says, O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And notice this, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, preacher, how do I seek first the kingdom of God? You spend time in His Word. You spend time loving Him. You spend time getting to, to know Him. 
Then he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's, if I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, then preacher, please tell me, how can I get through today? How can I trust God? Here it is. Here's the answer. How can I trust God for the daily? Go to Psalm 119. Because see, Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. But then if you back it up to verse 11, it says, I have stored up uh, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you get everything that he's saying right here? His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, it says. That as we walk during the daily, that's how it happens, that we take his word and we let it teach us and guide us. There are just flat, and we've missed this, and you're going to hear this more. There are just some things that a Christian should not stand for. There are some things that a Christian should not participate in. There are things that a Christian should not do, places you should not go, things you should not be a part of. And yet we just stand back at times. We make excuses for our sins. Well, it's just how I am. No, it's not. Well, it helps me through the day. No, it doesn't. If you need something other than Jesus to help you through the day, then tell me how we could be your Savior for eternity. Somebody answer that question. I just need Him to get through the day then how in the name of all things holy are you going to trust Him with your eternity? So He says, listen, inwardly, when you're stressing, He wants to give you rest from that. Let me tell you the one I believe the world's after today. Not just inside, inward works, but outward pressures. Flip over to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This is what he's telling us now. Remember these three words for rest, and I'm going to give you all the words, and I'm really going, we're going to dig deep in them, but I'm giving you this overview about them because in total what it means. So it's, it works, the rest will be from your inward pressure because I'm going to tell you something, stress and anxiety will kill you. It will. Listen at Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, what else do I need to do, preacher? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So inwardly, we do it on our own. We'll come up, we'll have fleshly desires and the like. And we'll worry about things we should. So that's on the inside. But there's also on the outside, the worldly pressures that want to come in. So Jesus said to combat these worldly pressures, let me tell you what you should do. You ought to plant your roots deep in my word, in my faith, in your walk with me. You plant them deep in the soil. Don't, the problem with today is so many of us are shallow in our Christianity. Let's just be honest. We're shallow. You can't quote Scripture. You don't know where books of the Bible are. You don't know this. And some of you go, well, I just hadn't learned it. If you spent time in the Word, I promise you, you would know where the books of the Bible are. Some of you are going, I don't appreciate that statement. 
Preacher, then get to know the books of the Bible and you know I won't talk about you. But it's not just on that. This worldly precious listen. So you get rooted and then you grow up in Him. You learn about what He wants you to do and how you're to live and abiding in Him. So you're established. Why? Keep reading. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary, elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. You know, I am just amazed at some of the mess that's preached from some pulpits claiming to be Christianity. It's nothing more than self-help, therapeutic, let me pat you on the butt, call kind of mess. I've told you before, they'll write books 14 ways to have a better you. I can, get, I can write a bestseller. I can give you one way to be a better you. Come to Jesus. 14 ways to have a better child by Friday. Number one, it's not possible. Because the Bible says you have to train them up. Hello? But anyway, I can give you, I can write another bestseller. Here it is. Give them Jesus. But no, this world wants to come in and be like, well, you know, it's all relativism. It's, it's all this. Let me tell you the problem with our world today. Parents. See, I could say this in early morning and I got away with it because there weren't but one set of parents and that was Daniel and Cassidy Sharp over there. So I didn't get anything thrown at me. So some of you don't charge the pulpit. Because if you do, you're going to get embarrassed. See, the world and the leading people will say, well, just give your child uh, what they want. Really? Seriously. So what if your child wants to go play with a cobra? He'll figure it out. Yeah, when he's dead... Well, I just don't think I should do that. Or, or listen, or I just feel this is who I am today. Are you kidding? You are who you are. God does not make mistakes. Period. In the beginning, God made them male and female. He did not make them any other way. And by the way, marriage, the Bible says He brought Eve to Adam. He didn't bring some other dude. He didn't have two women. He brought Eve to Adam and marriage is between a man and a woman. And if that offends you, go get saved. I will not back up on the gospel. Because Jesus said it, Hank didn't. I'm sick and tired of people trying to tell me that this book don't work. This book works. The problem is most of society has not tried it. Jesus made a mistake. No, you just got bad thinking. But all these other people will try to tell you, well, you know, you Christians are just need to evolve. Huh, let me tell you something right now, honey child. I'm not evolving nowhere. I'm standing firm on what Jesus says. I'll take my chances with Jesus. Y'all all right? You can, 
Listen, and there's some of you going right now, because I look at your face, you're going, you about as closed-minded as any human being. I am not closed-minded. My Bible says, whosoever will may come. I'm as wide open. Now, you don't get to come like you think. See, my Bible says, there's none other name given under heaven by which one can be saved except the name Jesus. You can't come your own personal way. You come to Jesus' way, you don't come. That's how that rolls. But people will try to tell you to soothe you. So that's the one thing. And let me tell you the second thing we've lost in America. Self-control. Come on now. Y'all can sit there like you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. Well, what if the Bible says don't do it? What if the Bible says it's wrong? God will forgive me. You, you, you on thin ice. That's called licentiousness. And that's a sin. Y'all like, I'm throwing some big words at y'all today. Sabbatism. Licentiousness. That's just a fun word to say, isn't it? Licentiousness. I should have thrown that out yesterday, Bradley, at somebody. That's just licentiousness. I'd have got some looks. Let me give you the third. So those two things that it will cease if you'll come to him in his rest, but it also is a complete trust. I, I was thinking about, do you trust him completely? I know some of y'all are going, he's pulling out his phone. That's right, because I took a screenshot of some words I want to read to y'all. Let me see where it's at. Well, it ain't there. Isn't that amazing? That would be the enemy. Now let's just go over here. I think I can't find it. I'm an IT genius. Found it on my phone, didn't I? It was in the trash. I didn't put it there. Here's complete trust. And this is why I will never, as long as I'm pastor, we'll never quit singing hymns. Listen to this hymn. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace in my heart. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me of weary ways or golden days before His face I see. I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with Him or meet Him in the air. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's complete trust. That is what this rest talks about. Well, I said I was an IT genius. Apparently not. That is what complete trust looks like. No matter what storms may come, no matter how the ship is torn, the anchor 
still holds. It still holds. Now you may say, well, preacher, it don't look like it. It looks like this ship is being torn apart. Don't worry. Jesus still got you. So that's the one. That's just the, that was the introduction, y'all. Told you. That'll bless you. I'm going to try to get through the first point. I didn't get through the first point in the early morning. But here it is. We see a covenant rest. Back Now let's flip back to Hebrews chapter 4. Here's the covenant rest. And I say the covenant rest because of this. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands. The word rest there means abode. It means that reposing down. It means it never fails. It means lest, lest there's fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. That speaks of actions. I don't have time to unpack all that, but it talks about that we should not take the chance of possibly getting in by our actions. Now, actions don't get you there, but when you say you're saved, but you live that way, there's a question as to what is real, and I wouldn't want to be on that slippery slope of failing to get in because I thought I had it. There, fear is a liar, but it can also be a driving force, too. He says, for good news came to us just as to them. Flip over to Exodus. Flip over to Exodus chapter 3. Moses has grown up under Pharaoh. He learned to be all that he could be. Then God sent him on the backside of nowhere to show them he really wasn't a nobody. Or he was a nobody, excuse me. And when he showed him that he was a nobody, then he could use him. And so he sends Moses, and this is what he tells Moses. Listen to this promise. Here's the good news to the Israels, to Israelites, to the Hebrews. Verse 8. I've come down to deliver. Let me make a statement. When God says, I've come to deliver, he's going to deliver. Y'all all right? When he says, get in the boat and go to the other side, you are going to the other side. It doesn't matter what storms hit, what winds blow, what else happens, you are going to the other side. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. Listen, it's a land flowing with milk and honey to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. He said, I'm bringing you to a place that is amazing. I know there are people there, but don't you worry. The Bible later says, I'm going to be as a hornet before you. If you just trust in me, here it is. I'm going to give it to you. All you got to do is believe. He tells us the same thing, doesn't he? He says, I'm sending my son to come and deliver you. I'm sending my son to say to Telestai and then to defeat death, hell, and the grave by raising up on the third day. I'm sending my son to tell you there's a land flowing with milk and honey in heaven that I have prepared for you, that all I need you to do is rest in me and rest in my truth. And one glorious day, when you close your eyes here, you'll waken them up the next day in heaven. Or the next second, excuse me. It's that promised rest. Let me get, I'm going to get personal. There's a, a promised rest and a promised resting. He told him, he says, get over your unbelief. And just rest in me. Trust me is what he said. 
You know what Jesus says? Rest in me. I want you to focus in for about 10 minutes. Come on, break down a passage for you. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Some of you also today, you're saying, Preacher, I just don't know, man. Struggling with life. And I'm at a place of depression and darkness. I hear you talking about all this, but preacher, I need you to give me something I can put my, my fingernails in. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. He doesn't send us to an angel. He doesn't send you to the backside of nowhere. He says, come to me. I've got you. I love you. I died for you. Come to me. We'll run to Sister Sally down the road. We'll call Mama. We'll call Daddy. We'll talk to the preacher. And we'll talk to this person. And Jesus, the entire time, the Savior of the world says this. Come to me. Don't, don't go anywhere else. Come to me. Let's read on. All who labor. You're working. You're trying to do it yourself because in America, that's something else we do. We say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be your own man. That's not what the Bible says. How many of us are laboring right now in that chair? You're trying to figure out how to get yourself out of the mess that you're in. You're trying to figure yourself out for how you think you are. You're trying to figure out life. You're trying to figure out the world. You're trying to figure out our country. You're trying to figure it out. And you're laboring and you're stressing. And all inside of you is being ripped apart. You're going nuts inside because you are laboring to do it yourself. But we walk around like this. Like everything's fine. You know, we lie so much every day. How you doing, Kim? I'm fine. World's falling apart. I'm fine. You got more bitterness in your heart. You got more hurt in your heart than anybody else. I'm fine. And you sit down and you write yourself notes and you try to figure it out. And God is just sitting there. Jesus is going, come to me. Some translation says, all you who are weary, and listen to this, and heavy laden. You can strut around like a peacock, but spiritually I believe most of us are like this. We're hurting. Ripped apart. All we want to know is love and we don't find any. Because we had found Jesus. All we want is some peace. Because our mind, the world's telling us this and the world's telling us that. And we're trying to fit in and everything. And God is just saying, come to me. 
And listen to what he says. And I'll give you rest. Did you hear that? Since there remains a rest, and that's Jesus going, I will give you rest. I don't know what you're hurting about, dear ones. I don't know what you're dealing with. But here's what I know. Jesus says to you, come to me, and I'll give you rest. See, we'll hang on out there, man. You'll sit in that pew, and you'll want to come, and you're like, I'm not going down there. Kim might think something bad about me. Who stinking cares? You want a life that is peaceful or you want a life that's being ripped apart at the seams because you're worried and your pride is too great. When you want to run right here and get out on your knees and say, God, I come here. And lay it down. Then he says this. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. I am gentle and lowly. You'll find rest for your souls. You know, I tease my mama and my daddy about how much I got spankings growing up. Man, they love me though. I do stuff at school. I hated to come home. There's a couple reasons why. Number one, I knew I'd disappoint them. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Then secondly, <laughs> I knew what else was waiting. <laughs> Assume the position. You know what I found with my Heavenly Father? Mercy and grace. Some of you are toting it around because you, dis you know you disappoint Him, and yes, you have. But some of us seem to think that when we come to Him, where it's a throne of judgment, it's a throne of grace. So as He sits there and we turn to Him and we come in this act of surrender and submission, when we lay it down and we say, God, I did this. Forgive me. with those hands that created the world and took the nails, He opens them wide. And He says, come to Me. And I'll give you rest, Hank. God, forgive me. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll put your sin as far as the east is from the west. I've fully forgiven and restored you. Some of you here today, you need to come to that throne of grace. 
You need to find rest for your soul. Some of you are carrying around more baggage than we'll ever know. Jesus Christ says, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Some of you need to run. Some of you need to run. Let go of it that you don't have to take. His burden is light. His load is easy. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.